what I found within myself is being a creative and, and being someone who like most entrepreneurs, I could probably come up with a new business idea every single day and would love to pursue every single one. But what I've kind of learned is if the numbers don't make sense, then you have a problem. Like not enough marketing, all the marketing and sales in the world isn't going to fix the core of what your business model is. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker, and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights, and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hey, Gavin here. I want to get to know you. You're part of my community now. If you are serious about significant growth over the next two to three years, whether organically or through acquisition, let's jump on a call. Let me understand you and your business that much more so that I can come up with some suggestions that you can get on with implementing right now. Go to bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. That's bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. Hey, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Today, we're going to find out how a guy who had a background in music and then working in marketing in Adidas um, co-founded a bookkeeping business focusing on the niche of online program and course creators, online educators. Um, Parker Stevenson, co-founder of of Evolve Finance shares with us how he is helping and his business is helping some of the largest names in the world of um, course creation, online education achieve the biggest, their biggest year yet in 2020. Hi, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Parker Stevenson. Um, he's the co-owner of Evolve Finance. He's the chief business officer, and they specialize in doing the bookkeeping for online businesses. Parker, welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. Gavin, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So interesting space. Obviously, there's a lot of people have been using this uh, uh, business jargon word of 2020 being pivot. And those that <laughs> haven't already had an online presence have either created one or increased the amount of trade they're doing through their online um, channel. So how are you finding for your for on behalf of your clients? How are those operating, focusing on online channels? How are they finding 2020? Well, it's, um, it's bittersweet because obviously COVID has been such a challenge on our lives, on our mental health, on obviously people's physical health, on, uh, like you said, pivoting, just out, even if you're not a business owner, just trying to deal with life right sure. now. So sure. obviously that's been um, May 2021 to remember but like you said, because you know we specialize in online businesses and that's the type of business we support, um, my business partner and I always thought if there was a recession in the U.S., um, we, th we felt like our clients' businesses would thrive. Well, there's not much more to cause, you know, there's not a whole lot else that would cause economic devastation like a pandemic, let alone a global pandemic to test that theory. And um, while it was a little suspect there in March and April, because I think everyone just felt like 
what do I do? You know, some people kind of froze in place and some people didn't feel like selling in that moment when we were just starting to deal with the economic consequences of, of the pandemic that I think uh, everyone kind of wasn't sure what to do. And then as people, as we realized that, you know, this was going to be something for the long haul, we started to see May, June, July, some of our clients started to have their biggest months because what they found was there were more people online. There were more people looking to develop new skills, develop, because so many of our clients, especially are selling courses and coaching programs and membership sites and things of this nature, that whether you're selling a business program or even like we have a client who teaches a piano course, people were at home, they had more time and they were on the internet more and they were paying attention to what was going on, on the internet even more that um, we've seen our clients, you know, a lot of our clients are going to have the biggest years they've ever had. Some um, number of our clients have had their biggest months they've ever had. So again, a little bittersweet because it's been such a crazy year, but if you were in the online space already, you were primed to uh, reach more customers than you've ever been able to. Uh, yes. And in addition, of course, to the fact that people are spending more time at home or the commuting less, there's probably more eyes on the screen. The as, the as we go over the next two, three years where 5G connectivity rolls out and mm. Elon Musk's SpaceX roll out, you know, the Starlink satellite um, internet and broadband, you're going to see much more of the world, particularly in lesser developed countries, coming online. So the marketplace. The, for the online, for the for the business playing in the online space, the number of potential eyeballs on your product or your service and potential customers has, of course, gone up. Absolutely, is going and up. I think that's and I think that's a really great point because a lot of our clients' um, businesses are global, and so our especially our clients that um, that are are aware of that and aren't neglecting certain markets and making sure their messaging is as appealing to as broad of an audience as possible. It doesn't mean their, their offer needs to be broad because I don't like when our clients are trying to sell uh, things like so many of our clients have nice streamlined niches that they're able to really take advantage of, but their messaging is really inclusive because you know, again, you, you there's, I think especially being Americans and, uh, you know, or at least being an American and, and thinking that, you know, America is the, the center of the universe. What, really? Um, obviously, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we seem to live like we think it is over here, that's for sure. That yeah. I think that a lot of entrepreneurs who are thinking globally and not so American-centric, they're reaping some really great benefits by thinking of other people out there. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And um, in actual fact, you're, I, I'm seeing organizations or businesses rather um, – having greater reach as a result of people having to move online so they're having greater reach and they're attracting customers from more places around the world and um they're actually becoming more global because you know we're you know we're thousands of miles apart having this conversation now that now of course communicating and meeting via zoom and engaging via zoom yeah it's just commonplace where it, it, it wasn't necessarily for everybody six months ago well, and especially in established industries, my brother's in the startup world in like kind of Silicon Valley area in San Francisco. And um, my former employer before I partnered up with my business partner, Corey, at Evolve Finance, it was um, Adidas. So, you know, I have friends still in the big corporate world. Um, and it was so interesting to see um, people shift to letting employees working from home and having to figure out how do we operate without everyone being in the same space. And I think... Uh, 
lo and behold, the world will move on with us, you know, allowing people to be able to work from home and having a little more flexibility. So I'm hoping that is one of the benefits that people who aren't entrepreneurs, who aren't already running businesses from home, maybe, you know, the rest of the world gets to have a little taste or a little bit of the benefit. I know a lot of our clients really enjoy from working. From so home. your business, um, Evolve Finance, you're, you, you're working your target market, your niche is working with uh, online entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, you help them make more money. And most people think the world of bookkeeping and accounting is compliance, it's historically focused, it's a bit of a necessity uh, rather than and in, you know, the, uh, recognizing that the numbers are actually at the core of the business. And you came out just before we, um, we had our pre-chat before pressing record, you came out with a great uh, quote was, if you don't look after the numbers or worse the effect, if, you, if your business is not profitable, you've got an expensive hobby, yes. which, I, which I loved. So what is it that you do to get, let's face it, a, a good number of the people I've seen uh, from your, uh, in your target market and your customer base are hugely creative, hugely creative people who are passionate about their cause, maybe aren't as into numbers and systems and process. So how do you help your clients make more money? Well, the, the big piece is just making the numbers more accessible and more understandable because I didn't come from a finance background. I was a musician in a, um, a past life. I always thought like, okay, if I don't make it as a musician, I'd get into marketing and advertising and sales. And um, so the fact that I'm in a position right now where I'm co-owner of a bookkeeping business, I'm talking numbers and finance a good amount. Um, I'm kind of as shocked as I'm sure some of my friends who saw me real, you know, leave Adidas or Adidas or, you know, leave music to, to go into something like this. What I found within myself is being a creative and, and being someone who like most entrepreneurs, I could probably come up with a new business idea every single day and would love to pursue every single one. But what I've kind of learned is if the numbers don't make sense, then you have a problem, like not enough marketing, all the marketing and sales in the world isn't going to fix the core of what your business model is. And so what, and, and what I've realized by developing my own more in-depth understanding of numbers, and, and I gained a much larger confidence around numbers with my time at Adidas. I ran a $50 million product, a product category in the United States and uh, learned a lot about getting comfortable with spreadsheets and numbers and all that. But what I found is the finance industry loves to kind of make this more confusing than I think it needs to be. Um, you know, especially as you get into the startup world, larger corporations, sure, there's some extra complexity there that small businesses don't have to deal with, though. And so our clients' business models are so simple, but if they're getting advice from other financial people who are used to more complex businesses and are trying to add that same sort of complex analysis to a business that's a lot more straightforward and streamlined, um, then, of course, they're not going to want to look at that because they're going to be like, this seems like too much effort. It seems like it's above my head. And I think that's just kind of a bad stigma in the industry. So a big part for us was number one, doing the bookkeeping right, which a lot of bookkeepers, um, especially bookkeepers trying to support online business owners, if they don't have much experience with that, they don't really do a good job of making sure the data is correct and accurate and, and trustworthy. So by niching down, we're able to actually do the books properly. But also because we're only working with one type of business, we know these numbers so well. We can compare our clients' businesses with each other's and we know what the framework looks like for what an online business uh, that's doing well financially should look like. So we know what we usually like to see uh, a business spending on their labor, what they're spending on their advertising, what they're spending on their software or continuing education, right? So we've gone beyond- Target KPIs. 
Exactly. Because I think bookkeeping has been so commoditized where it's just like, yes, I have to do this because I have to file my taxes. And like you said, compliance. Um, but the reality is your, your financial reporting, your bookkeeper should be sending you every month is your scorecard. It's your scorecard around, are you running, are you doing the things you need to do to move the business forward? Not just from a sales perspective, but from a profitability perspective as well. I was going to ask you actually about dashboards. So scorecards, you know, it's, it's the same thing. Um, what one of the things I think that tools, software tools like QuickBooks Online and Zero are not good at is that actually QuickBooks is better than Zero on this, but is that is that dashboard the scorecard piece? So you have metrics, you know, because of your industry experience in that in in your sector. What tools do you use, and how do you go about helping your clients build those scorecards or those dashboards? I mean, we do most of it just in QuickBooks Online. We do we do the dashboard separately. So, um, you know, the the main report every um, business owner needs to be looking at is the profit and loss statement. Yeah. Of and essentially, for those for those of you that maybe aren't as familiar with it, it's just it shows what's our income for a given amount of time. What expenses do we have for that same amount of time? What do we have left over? So we provide our clients with um, a, a few different versions of the PNL, looking at different times of the year, just to give, again, give them focus on, on the things that they need to pay attention to. And then we also have a, a dashboard outside of QuickBooks where our, our account managers will compile some, some key points of information from QuickBooks and from the profit and loss statement and put that in essentially just at this point, just a Google sheet, because we've haven't found really a piece of software that can, um, pull everything out the way we want to pull it out yet. Although we're still looking for that. And again, we're, we're not about trying to give like more information to our clients than they need. Ultimately, as business owners, we only have so much time. We only have so much money. We only have so much resources. So what are the main pieces we want our clients looking at? And that's where our, our dashboard is focusing on things or what are we spending on our labor? What are we spending on our marketing? What's our profitability looking like year over year? What's roughly our tax bill going to look at? So we're not over inundating them with, with information that's not going to help them to grow their business and move it forward. Hey, Gavin here. I want to get to know you. You're part of my community now. If you are serious about significant growth over the next two to three years, whether organically or through acquisition, let's jump on a call. Let me understand you and your business that much more so that I can come up with some suggestions that you can get on with implementing right now. Go to bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. That's bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. So can you share with some of the target percentages or target ratios that uh, you help? Obviously, it's sector specific, but you're, you're looking for or you're advising your clients that they should be aiming for. Yeah. So I, again, this might this number I'm about to reveal might piss off some of your uh, listeners who don't have online businesses. Um, but in terms of profitability, we're pushing for our clients to have 30% profit margin or better. And when yeah. I say profit margin, that could include paying the owner a bit of payroll, you know, actually running a payroll salary for them. Yeah. Uh, that includes writing off some of the owner benefits that we get to write off. You know, your account might be writing off a portion of your internet, your cell phone bill, right? Some of your utilities at home. If you're renting your house, you know, where you live, um, you might be writing off a portion of your rent. And even with all those things taken into consideration, we're still pushing for our clients 
um, to be at that 30% profitability level or better. And we do have clients that can get into the 40, 50, and even beyond. We have a handful of clients who have profit, just profit margins that would blow your mind if you could look at. Um, but that's the benefit of not having, you know, a physical office space, not having a physical product that you have to sell. You know, none of our clients are making widgets. You know, again, I sold golf shoes for Adidas. So it's like, there's a cost to making a golf shoe. Um, but you know, when you're selling, let's say a course, it doesn't cost you anything extra um, to have a digital copy of your course go to a, a new customer, right? So they have that, that benefit. So, you know, I'd say if you're more of a service provider online, like we have some, some um, agencies, uh, we even have some like therapists and uh, people who do one-on-one coaching or, or more consulting-based businesses, maybe they have more team members. So maybe their profitability might be closer to 20%. Like that's what we strive for at Evolve Finance because we have such direct labor costs associated with the growth of our business. Um, but really 20 to 30% is kind of the, the low-ish end of a healthy business that we work with. And like I said, it can go way above that if the entrepreneur is uh, a little lucky and super savvy. So as the business grows and you bring on more members of the team, whether they're full-time employees or they're, they're, they're freelance addition to your team, um, do you track anything or encourage your customers to clients to attract things like revenue per client? And do you have a target metric, a target amount for that? Again, that's not something because again, we're always looking at what's the top level main stuff we want to look at. If they want to take the information we're giving them and get that granular, by all means. But when it comes to labor, what we do know, and again, this is trying to simplify and, and get to the, the real nuts and bolts of what's important. We know that to get to 30% profit margin for, let's say we just have a basic course business, course-based business. If we want to get to 30% margin or better, we need to have our team expenses be at 20% or less. Um, yep. or, or we want our advertising to be at about 30% or less. Now there are you know times where maybe we have a client who's more 30% for their labor, but because all of their marketing is organic and they don't have any advertising costs and they have plenty of margin to spend on having a larger team to support the business. If that's what they decide they want to kind of build their business around. But ultimately if we have all the components of we're spending some money on paid traffic, we have a, a software suite that we're using, you know, for landing pages and the website and email marketing. And we have some contractors and uh, potentially employees and we have some travel and some office expenses. Then yeah, we would typically want to see your labor around 20% to, um, uh, make sure that we're leaving enough margin left over to, to pay the business owner, build up savings in the business, all those key pieces. So if it helps you to start to know, okay, per person, what does that, you know, what does it look like per course sale? Um, but what we found is that I wouldn't really know how that's going to help the business owner make better decisions because every business is going to maybe have more of an, maybe you have an, a, a business manager or an operations person. Maybe you don't need that. Maybe you have all VAs, right? Um, we all kind of have our businesses set up differently depending on how far along we are. Um, so that's where it's like, however you have your business set up, here's the general macros. And if they want to come on like a group call with me and discuss a little further, we can dive deeper into that stuff. But our clients usually have a pretty clear understanding of where they want to keep those metrics. And almost always their profitability is going to um, benefit greatly by, by paying attention to those key metrics. Sure. Um, we talked about profitability. Um, what about cash and cash management, cash forecasting? Yeah, and that's another piece where um, there, there's some sophisticated or more detailed ways you can track cash flow. There's you know cash flow reports and cash flow um, like spreadsheets you can download, but it takes a lot of time 
and maintenance to keep those updated. So what we found is, especially because our, our clients' businesses are so cash flow positive most of the time, um, you know, especially if they have launch-based businesses, they can have a month where they just get an just a flood of cash into the business, but then they might not have a launch for a couple months or, you know, things might settle down until they really do another big promotion. So they kind of have to manage that cash in between. So what we've always recommended is if our clients can sit on three months of operating expenses, then they have plenty of runway to get through the ups and downs that sometimes happen. Cause we have some clients who have two launches that make their entire years. And then the payment plans from their customers kind of hold them over between those two launches. And so again, um, sometimes if, if you don't have any financial tracking, you don't know what sort of metrics you should have. I could see business owners getting really nervous about, do I have enough money to hold me over yada yada. But at the end of the day, um, if our clients do have a good revenue strategy and, and their, their revenue is fairly consistent and all of our clients are making at least a hundred thousand us dollars a year or more. Um, that three month operating expenses and knowing what we want to leave in the business at any one time and try not to go too far under that at any one time, you're going to have plenty of time to build that cash flow back up with that three month runway. And do you advise them to put that into a separate, um, current account? I think you guys call it a checking account, a separate or a separate deposit account that, um, the three months operating expenses. So it's put to one side out of the way, can't, it's less likely to be touched. So it's kept as a buffer. Yeah, I really, at this point, because like business savings accounts don't really have much of an interest rate, at least here in the States that, um, if they want to just leave it in the checking account, that's fine. Some people like to see it separated out because I know some of our clients might have a mindset of, if I see the money there, I'm going to spend it. <laughs> sure, so like, that's sure. fine. Move it out of the way so you know that's kind of your buffer. But really because it's supposed to help cash flow, like me personally, leave it in the checking account and just, again, make sure you or anyone on your team that's looking at the money just knows like this is kind of what we want to have available in the business at any one time. But sometimes, you know, clients like to have a tax savings account where it's a separate savings just for what they might owe on, on, um, the taxes from their profit for the year. So it's really just a personal preference as long as you're clear on um, what that total amount needs to be that we want to keep in the business. That's fine. And again, please know like if someone's listening to this and they have like a manufacturing business or a more complicated and sophisticated business, like a process like this might not be um, feasible for a more sophisticated business. But again, because our clients are doing digital products or services online, cash flow tends to not be too big of an issue for them. And you know, what, what are they feeding back to you in terms of how they see the market prospects then for their business over the, next, over the coming years? I think if you probably did a survey of our clients, I think they're pretty pleased and I'm sure they're pretty excited. Um, you know, I think there are some concerns in the States, especially with an election year coming up um, that, and, and with, you know, us still being in this kind of living in this COVID world that there, I think there are still some concerns around like, is, is there going to be this new bottom we just haven't hit yet? Um, but again, I think with our clients, because they have low overhead and again, almost all of them have global markets, they're going to, even if things got rough, they're going to be able to find a way to stay in business, to serve customers. And um, if anything, you know, that's kind of worst case scenario. I think most of them are planning for continued growth because again, I think the uh, COVID has brought an awareness to the entire marketplace of what they can be doing online as well and how they can be operating online that I feel like this isn't just a flash in the pan. Um, cool. We got a bump in sales and now things are going to get back to normal. I think the whole world is going, yeah, like even established massive companies are starting to understand we need to be operating in the online space to a degree that maybe we weren't comfortable with in the past.
So having come from the world of uh, of corporate uh, marketing in uh, Adidas, what why did you pick the niche that you did? What what influenced you and your business partner to pick the niche of working specifically with businesses that are selling online and particularly online courses? I wish I could take the cre- uh, credit for this, Gavin, but uh, my business partner, Corey, him and his wife are my wife and I's like best friends. Like my wife grew up with Corey and Anna um, in, in Los Angeles. And um, we knew they had this business for a while, but again, I was at, I mean, at the time uh, it was tailor-made um, Adidas golf and I'm, a, I was a big golfer and I was so happy to be at that company. I was work, working at one of my dream companies. Like I, bet, I was, yeah. like, I love, love golf. And, um, but after a while of being there and especially having been a musician and kind of doing something more entrepreneurial before that, I kind of realized I wanted to do, I don't know if I wanted to have a bunch of bosses and deal with a bunch of executives and all that stuff that I'm like, I kind of want to be um, a bigger fish in a smaller pond, so to speak. But I didn't really have an idea. I've been trying to come up with ideas of a business I could start myself. And um, Corey and I and our families were together um, at their cabin um, just you know, having a weekend trip together. And we started talking more seriously about what he was doing. And again, I had no desire to get into bookkeeping, but I love their niche. I love the way they serve their customers. And I just thought that there was so much potential with what they're doing. We just needed to find some new marketing channels. We need to, you know, up our operations. And, um, and again, I was ready to take a chance and do something that I felt like I could make a bigger impact. So I give it all up to Corey and Anna for seeing this opportunity for building, um, a reputation in this industry and starting to get some momentum. So by the time I came in, we just rolled that snowball down the hill and it's, you know, just gotten bigger and bigger every year we've been in business. Love that story. Um, Looking from your client's perspective, you know, let's say that they're a relatively new client to um, Evolve Finance. What is it that they say that you and the team have done for them? What, whether you know, take away some hassle or give them some new insights around the business? You know, what do they report as the? Hey, God, the guys at Evolve Finance are amazing because dot dot dot. No, that's a great question. I've never been asked that before. And it's obviously an important one because, um, you know, if you're going to outsource any part of your business, you want to make sure you're getting an ROI on that. And I think there's the obvious stuff where it's like, oh, finally, I don't have to stress about, are the books being done right? I don't have to stress about asking my bookkeeper for my reports and like, you know, trying to helm them to get, you know, get information. I think they really appreciate that we're so buttoned up and so, you know, systematized that, the bookkeeping is just clockwork now for them. But the piece that I always push as our bigger, biggest value proposition is that insight. It's that visibility into a part of your business that maybe you didn't see before. And so the, the way I've kind of always looked at entrepreneurship as I've gotten, or at least in, since I've been in this industry, is that we have two games we're playing in our businesses. The first one is how do I make money, right? Like that's the first game everyone's trying to figure out. Where are my customers? How do I serve them? How do I convert them? And that's the game most of us want to continue focusing on. But when, we, when our clients come to us, they're starting to have some sort of success and they start to feel this pressure and this um, little more anxiety around, I have money what do I do with this money? Like this is a new thing or maybe they've been having some success for a while and they're like, I've had money, but I don't feel like I've been responsible with it. I don't feel like I've kept as much of it. I don't feel like I still understand how the money side of my business works. So again, because we're, we're serving a specific niche, we organize the financial data in such a way that our clients go, oh, 
that's how my finances work. That's not as crazy or complicated as I thought it would be. So then I think it just flips this switch that as they start to make future decisions in their businesses around when are we launching? Do we have another offer? Do we need to put another offer out there? Um, when do I need to hire someone? Now these things don't feel so scary because they feel like they have a logic behind the things they're doing. And that logic is just, will this decision help the business to grow and keep our profitability growing with the revenue? So again, it's just this visibility into, I think, a piece of their business that um, a lot of entrepreneurs will kind of put their heads in the sand. And so once they kind of pull their heads out of the sand and go, oh, this is the final piece that I needed to fully feel like I could take ownership of the business. Um, maybe it's a coincidence because they're coming to us because their businesses are already growing. But um, I don't think it's a coincidence that our clients' businesses continue to grow two, three years after working with us and just continue to skyrocket because the owners feel so much more confident about how to make good financial decisions. Good answer. Yeah, yeah. Good answer. I love that. So two games we're playing. How do I make money? And then what do I do with that money? Yes, I like exactly. That. I like that. So and, Parker. And, if, and, and actually, just, oh. and let me just add to that real quick, Gavin. Just know that like if you're in the initial stages of your business, you know, game number one is crucially important. Sure. But anyone you've worked with, I mean, I know you've consulted with so many different businesses. When you start making money, it becomes equally important what you do with the money. Uh, because otherwise, like, what's the point? If you're just working and everyone's hustling and everyone's getting paid, but there's nothing left over, especially for the uh, for the business owner or for the shareholders, um, then it gets pretty frustrating. So just know that it will become more important as your business grows uh, to everyone listening to start to gain a little more confidence and gain a deeper understanding of, okay, uh, how's money oh, moving sure. through my business? Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. And actually, one of the problems I have is that, uh, the people that I work with, they do better as a result of the work that we do together. Their business grows, their personal wealth grows, and they just want to spend it. So I, <laughs> I, so I just, I, I, I tread that line between, yes, of course you deserve it, reward yourself with a portion, because it, actually you need to build this buffer for the future because it, you know, it's not always going to be sunshine sailing. And then also, what about reinvestment? What about acquisition? Where next? Exactly. And you need a portion of the money for that. Oh yes, and it's time Taxman still needs paying. So, oh, uh, yes. so I want them to have fun. I want them to enjoy, but I also want to make sure that they don't find the fact they spent more than they should have done and they've got another cash flow problem. <laughs> Gavin, I, what I'm do a, we do? <laughs> I, I love that even being, you know, I'm, I'm sure you focus a lot more on sales and marketing and operations. I love that you think that way because we have to have a little bit of financial thinking and thought processes with every decision we're making in a business. Yeah, I find myself equally working with businesses that are in a survival turnaround situations as those that really want to go from plateauing to thriving. And my go-to when we're dealing with a turnaround is cash. Cash, you know, let's mm -hmm. sort out the cash flow planning and the forecasting and let's manage cash well. And actually, um, I had a super exciting sort of call last week with um, with a, a client who's now worked with me for five years. His business has grown out of uh, out, out of all shape and size, you know, out of all recognition, and he's now looking at the really significantly sized warehousing and production facility. Wow! He's super stoked by this, and I'm thinking that's a hundred grand a year in cost. That once yeah. you sign that lease. You ain't getting out of that, you know, not without, you know, not without a, with a fight and costs. So how confident are you about you, not only the, the business trade and business forecasting, and I, I equally want to be excited, but not, and therefore not sound like a boring kind of like 
uh, stick in the mud. But I also want them to know is that if I don't double check and make sure that they've got enough confidence around uh, sales, around margin, around cash, that they don't just get excited by, oh my God, I've hit the big time. I've got this massive warehouse, the vanity points, when really we want to make sure they're still making money. They're still making a profit. I mean, you sound like you're saying the exact same things to, you know, I say to a lot of our clients, although, you know, again, our clients don't have warehouses, but you're absolutely right. And I love hearing you say that because sometimes some entrepreneurs, and I know, again, some of you are gonna be like, who the hell are these people? But some entrepreneurs get, they just, they do all the things right so fast that their businesses can, can grow and have all the success that they never really see what happens when you have a down month or you have a down year or you start to hit some challenges that they don't really ever prepare or think about anything bad happening. This is the thing I've learned actually, because I, uh, have done a number of times taken clients with their businesses that are say turning over between 1 million and five or 6 million. And I've doubled them in a year, doubled the revenue in a year. And that has been about mindset. It's been about strategy. It's been about sales and markets. It's all been about energy, excitement and passion. And we get them there. But I've also learned the lesson that if you run so fast and you're not looking after the systems, you're not looking after the cash flow management, you're not checking on your cost base and therefore watching your profitability, you can have a great top line, but break even. And you've bust your balls to get that top line number that you've doubled your revenue. But then yes. if you've got, you're broken even, you just think, what was that all for? And so that, that has been my, my, my learning. And um, I actually qualified as an accountant. So and I, I, how so, it all makes <laughs> so I, you know, I have that within my DNA, but you know, I, I'm more juiced and excited by strategy about growth, about sales and marketing. But so now I just tread this line um, between, yeah, let's get excited, but let's make sure that the one metric you want at the end of the day is yes to serve your customers and deliver a great job. But you also want to make sure you've retained some profit. Because there's so much risk assessment as an entrepreneur, right? Like, and I think that's the piece some of the people that are attracted to entrepreneurship aren't really people that think about risk. They just go follow the vision, chase the dream and make stuff happen and more power to them. Right. But I just hope that those types of entrepreneurs find someone else in their business to help them start to, to again, just manage some of this risk because as quickly as you can earn it, you can also lose it. And I found that our clients that are, are most successful and have long-term success um, they do a really great job of investing in their businesses, using strategy and investing in their businesses, um, using their numbers to think about the future, not just going off of gut and emotion and excitement and thinking about the full picture, which is easier said than done. Um, but it is really important as no matter you know, what type of business you're running, just understanding uh, there's an inherent risk in entrepreneurship and it's your responsibility as the business owner and as the leader to be doing the best you can to manage that risk so that your team members continue to get paid, uh, to make sure your business and your customers are protected and they continue to get served, right? And, and that's, you know, it's a big task to ask, but that's what we sign up for as entrepreneurs. I love that phrase, use, uh, use your numbers to think about the future. I think that is, is really sound, really, really pertinent because so many People get the PL or the other or the, or the their accounts and they go, Oh, that was that was okay, we did okay then. Or they check, they run their business by the money that's in the bank. And they're not using, you're not getting the insights from it to be able to plan investment for the future. And you know, to speak to your point about risk, it's 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 massively important that you balance 
the excitement, the optimism, the positivity, the creativity that can generate not only new iterations and improvements in your product or your service, but can also uh, inspire your team to go on a journey with you and inspire your sales team to deliver the results. You want you want to nurture that. You want to um, you know blow, blow oxygen and fuel on that fire. And then have a separate conversation with another department about here are the risks and these are the things that we need to be paying attention to so that we can mitigate risks. And I think really good, strong business people have the foresight, the vision, but they also have the insights to know where the risks are and what they're doing about those risks. Well, do you know when I get the most excited is when the numbers make sense, right? Like when you have the idea, you run the numbers and then those numbers make sense that's when I'm like, let's go. Because you can act out of confidence. You can act out of like, again, you don't know what's going to happen. Again, there's risk to any investment in your business. Again, there's always going to be a certain level of risk. But when you feel like the business, like your core business model makes sense, the numbers behind it makes sense, whatever strategy you're putting into place or new investment you're making, if the numbers make sense and those numbers are based off of realistic um, forecast, realistic expectations, then it's like, then yeah, let's get excited. Let's go. Let's bring that energy and and put this plan into action. It's it's when we have the idea, don't run any numbers and are just excited by just the idea. That's when you have more luck being involved with whether or not it's successful than I would feel comfortable with. It makes me smile because I've had a number of conversations over recent months with my wife around different business ideas. And she said, well, what about that? I went looked at startup. We looked at acquisition opportunities and Okay, so I, I pre-frame it by going, this is what I can see about that industry. This is my macro awareness, but this is what I believe I know about that industry. Bearing in mind, I may not be an expert in that industry, mm-hmm. but we need to look at this, 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 and this. And she was saying, you're all, you're so negative. I said, I'm not being negative. <laughs> I'm spotting potential risk. And if we can find out, mitigate things we can do to mitigate those, and we can see know how we can build revenue and deliver that service or that product profitably, then we've got a good business. If we go blindly and thinking, hey, I like the look of that, and we haven't appreciated, thought about, and addressed risk, then we're going to lose a ton of cash. Well, ideas are easy, right? Like, again, if you, if you think about business a lot, you're passionate about entrepreneurship and business, the easy part is coming up with the ideas. And, and I know there's occasionally a truly remarkable idea that maybe no one's thought of, but that's so rare. But there's a reason that people can start up businesses that already have a lot of, you know, why would you be a dentist and start a new dentist office? Like there's already a bunch of dentists out there, right? But it, it, it's, a, it's a business model that you know you can execute on and, and there's a strategy in place that, that can work. And so that's where, again, it all comes down to the execution. And that's what a, a lot of the business consultants and coaches and stuff that, that I've listened to, I've always appreciated is that, again, ideas are great and we need ideas to have vision and we need to have this uh, inspiration to keep us energized and motivated. But at the end of the day, if we don't have a plan on how to execute on that vision, with, you know, with systems, understanding the marketplace, understanding our customers, all these factors that go into building a, a truly scalable business, a business that can get to a million dollars or more a year, um, we have to be thinking about all these these factors um, so that we can give ourselves the best chance of success. If you can predict what barriers are going to be coming your way, then you're going to be better prepared to get around those barriers. And so um, I definitely sympathize with you, Gavin, on that one and doing your due diligence to like really 
map out these business ideas because uh, I'm over good ideas. I'm over, I, and, and I'm all about business. Like what's the business plan? What's, how are we going to execute on this? How do we make the numbers work? Parker, you're a real star. Thank you so much for your time. If anybody wants to reach out to you and the team at Evolve Finance, where do they go? How do they find you? How do they follow you, et cetera? Sure, just evolvefinance.com. Pretty simple. Um, you know, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Evolve Finance. And I do have a, a, a podcast myself where I just typically am covering some of these concepts by myself as cl- things come up with our clients. I share some of the things they're going through. So if you want to get a little more comfortable with financial aspects of your business, I encourage people to, to check out our podcast. Aptly named, The Bottom Line. You know, I mean, does it get much more cheeky than that? Yeah, yeah, love it. So, and if people want to follow you guys uh, on social, how do they go about doing that? If you just type in Evolve Finance on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we have a, a, a private Facebook group specifically for those that want to follow the podcast and answer, uh, you know, ask questions and stuff there. I, I encourage everyone to do so. Parker, you're a star. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Gavin. Really appreciate it. Hey, Gavin here. I want to get to know you. You're part of my community now. If you are serious about significant growth over the next two to three years, whether organically or through acquisition, let's jump on a call. Let me understand you and your business that much more so that I can come up with some suggestions that you can get on with implementing right now. Go to bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. That's bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact.